Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Happy Friday, my friends. If you are like me, you might be feeling a little down about college football. I get it. I feel bummed about it as well, but I hope that you and I, we can be kind and we can be supportive as everyone in the whole country is navigating through some problematic decision-making circumstances this year. And although our 2020 fall or 2020 summer or 2020 spring and has not looked like we might have planned, We can all rest that God doesn't change, that his character remains steadfast, and he is not shaken by the unpredictability of our season. My guest today knows a lot about this unpredictability, about these hard decision-making circumstances, and about life just not looking how she thought it would be. Stephanie Mae Wilson is on the show today, and we talk about her unexplainable infertility, the path that she and her husband have taken to conceive the baby girls, yes, two girls growing in her body. Stephanie and her husband are expecting twins this Thanksgiving. You're going to love the story that she shares about this with us today. Stephanie released a prayer journal last month. It's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. How many of us are raising our hands right now that we want to be women and men who trust God when we don't know what's next? It's a beautiful book. It's filled with powerful and practical ways for us all to connect with God when our future feels uncertain. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information about this prayer journal and Stephanie's podcast, Girls' Night. Friends, we are officially a month away from the release of my newest book, You Be You. It comes out on October 1st. I've had a few people reach out to me this week specifically and ask, why this book? Why now? Well, I want you to know that I wrote this book for all of us, for every woman who feels like she has a voice and she has something to say, but she isn't sure how to use it, or she gets sidetracked by other women that she sees doing, quote unquote, great things. I want every woman to own her gifts, her talents, and her callings that God has gifted to her uniquely. That is why I wrote You Be You. I wrote it for you because I believe that you are a woman who has great things inside of you. I believe that your great thing that is inside of you that was given to you by God, it cannot be compared to her great thing. I hope and pray that you read this book and you discover that you really can truly find success and satisfaction right where God has planted you. That satisfaction is not only just something that some people get, but it's something that we can all have. We can all be satisfied with our lives when we see it through the lens of the gospel. I want women like myself and like you, friend, I want us all to bloom where God has planted us. I want us to thrive in our circumstances, no matter what those might look like. I want to show you how you too can bloom right where you're planted, Friend, I want you to be you. To find out more information about this book, text the words "you be you" no spaces to three three seven seven seven. We're going to tell you 
all about the book, where you can get it, and anything else you would like to know. Text the words UBU, all one word, no spaces, to 33777. Okay, here is my conversation with Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, welcome to the happy hour. Ah, Jamie, thank you for having me, friend. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a lot of fun. And I recently, hold on, hold tight. Okay, so I have your book right here. And it released August 17th. And it's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. It's so beautiful. So the between places, we're going to talk all about that. But first, I wanted to tell you congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Oh, gosh, I feel like putting a book out into the world is so wonderful. And there's a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, did I even write in English? Like there are there horrible typos. Does this make sense at all? And, and then it's happy again. And it's just so many emotions, but gosh, this book means so much to me. I feel like I've gotten to put some of my favorite God stories in it. And I love that. so it's just really fun to see. It I love it so much. Okay. So introduce yourself to our listeners. Then we're going to jump into chatting about all the in-between places. Okay. Uh, so I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson and I'm an author and a podcaster and a speaker. And my specialty is helping 20 and 30 something women navigate their most important relationships or some of them. So in my little corner of the internet, We talk about friendships and faith and relationships with our significant others and our relationships with ourselves. And I have a podcast called Girls Night and several books that have been out. I'm a wife to my very best friend. His name's Carl. And I'm a soon-to-be mom to two little identical twin girls that are currently like kicking me and making me kind of uncomfortable as we speak. (laughs) Okay. How far along are you? Uh, 22 weeks. And you're due November. Yes. So technically my due date is December, mid-December, but I guess with twins, they don't let you go past a certain date. So my, oh. I'll deliver at 37 weeks max. No matter so, what. Okay, yeah. max. Yeah. So it's like Thanksgiving week. Oh my gosh. This is so exciting. Do you guys, are you the type of people that tell names or are you keeping this close to you? We, okay. So this has been so weird. Normally I'm like a share everything kind of person. Like I like making decisions by committee. I want my best friends in on everything. (laughs) I'm an open book, but there have been certain parts of this baby journey that I've like needed to keep closer to my chest for some reason. Like, I mean, I didn't, we didn't tell our parents for the longest time that we were trying. And, and then, you know, when we were going through infertility, which we'll, I know we'll talk about, like there were times when I felt like I could talk about it and times where I didn't want to as much. And then with names, I think it's just kind of fun to have a secret with Carl. And so we aren't telling names, but I will say, I think we're about 50% set. So we have, we have to pick four names, like two first names, two middle names, one first name, like almost set. And then like a small pool of middle names that we're still kind of trying to work out. Are you going to tell anybody before the girls are here? No. This is, this, okay, here's what I think about that. My number mom's one, so mad. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. I was going to say, number one, these are your kids. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, but second of all, I'm always like, I just want to know. I hate being on the out. We had some really good friends that were like this. Really good. And we hounded them and hounded them until they finally told us, Stephanie. Like, aren't we the worst friends in the world? They finally told us. And then no one else knew but us. It was the best. I think that's what I want. I want my friends. I'll be like, okay, you don't have to tell anybody. Just tell me. But tell me. Let me me be in the inner circle. Let me know. One of my girlfriends is about to find out what she's having. She's having a boy or a girl. And I'm like dying to know. And I volunteered to be the person to like receive the envelope and order the gender reveal supplies. Like because I wanted to be the first to know. And her sister was like, 
no. That's <laughs> my job. That. That's yes. my job. Yes. That's my job. Uh, are you an Enneagram person? I am. I am a two wing three. Okay. Yeah. I would have guessed only because I have a hard time making decisions and need like a committee around me to tell me what I'm a six. And okay. a lot of times Enneagram sixes, we don't trust ourselves. Uh, we, we forget that we are able to make good decisions or that we've been successful before with decisions. Like yep. we just forget everything we've ever done in our entire life and we can't make decisions. So that's why I wondered about that. For My you. two very best friends are both sixes and we, like the three of us, I feel like make a lot of committee decisions. So they've been like, you're kidding. You're not going to tell us their names. I'm like, I'm sorry guys, <laughs> not even you guys. We've been through so much with you. You owe us these names. <laughs> that's so true. Um, I really probably Well, when you have your girls, you'll have to let us know the names. I will. Because we will be curious about that. Okay. Speaking of pregnancy and twins and all the things you mentioned just a few minutes ago that you didn't even tell your parents when you guys were trying. And I feel like it's been a long time. My oldest is 16. So, and me personally, just the way God made our family, my husband and I never were like officially trying, like we had surprise. And I know that that's not everyone's story. And I don't take that for granted because of what you guys have been through by any means. But I can understand and feel how that would be difficult to be like, hey, just so everyone knows, we're back at home trying to make a baby. Like that feels like a little (laughs) bit uncomfortable to say to the parents, like, mom, we started. We're trying. (laughs) We're We're doing the baby making stuff. (laughs) And all that entails. (laughs) Yes. And everything about it. But you said that you and your husband, Carl, spent about two and a half years on this journey to pregnancy with your girls and got the diagnosis of, I think you said, unexplained infertility, which can you just tell me when you got that diagnosis, you were like, wait, that is the diagnosis? Unexplained? Uh, Yeah. Like, I mean- I'm trying to remember if I like cursed there, there might've been like, <laughs> like, I just like, are you kidding? Like what in the world? And I think that for the longest time it felt, you know, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I felt like if I had some answers, I'd feel better. Mm. Like at some point along the way, first of all, what I wanted was God to tell me, you guys are going to get pregnant on this date. I promise. And I wanted it like notarized. Mm. And I thought that if I had that sort of insurance I could weather whatever and I could get, you know, I would be fine, which of course he didn't give us that. But then every step along the way, you know, we're trying on our own. And the reason we didn't tell our parents initially is because one of the things that was so important to me was the surprise. I wanted, we're, we're the, both the oldest in our families. It'll be the first grandkids. And so for the longest time, like my parents knew that we really weren't ready. And so I was so excited to get to be like, we're pregnant. Like I just, I could, I had it planned. I could picture their faces. I wanted that moment so bad. And so we didn't tell them because we wanted it to be a surprise. And every month we thought maybe this will be the month. But after a while it was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't happening. And by the time we were like in doctor's offices and talking about operations and, you know, medicine and things like that, it was like, okay, well now we need to, we need to tell them. And so the conversation we got to have was like, we've been trying for a year and it's not going well. Yeah. That was not the conversation I was hoping for. But when we, yeah, we did all kinds of tests and they all came back totally clear. Like we are pictures of health. And to this day, they have no idea why we couldn't get pregnant, but Mm -hmm. we just couldn't. And we tried, I mean, we tried on our own for, I think, 14 months. We did four rounds of IUI for anyone who is kind of in this world. Um, Medicated IUI didn't work. And then finally we got to IVF and 
that worked, which is really grateful. You know, it's like interesting because this is your story and your journey of this kind of, and I just, I adore that you titled your book. I actually think I said your book wrong while ago. I think I said the in-between places and it's actually the between places. And I think that your story, what you're talking about is, you know, it's your story. This is where you sat for so many months here. But the ideas and the things that you learned, they go way beyond, you know, fertility treatments and pregnancy and marriage and womanhood. It is like all of us are going to have things in our life of this journey. And so looking back, you know, looking back is always like the best way to look at a situation because you can see, here's what I did right. Here's what I did wrong. Here's what I want to do better next time. Here's what God taught me. And here's how I wasn't listening, all of those things. But go back to yourself before you were pregnant, before you had that answer to your specific problem that you were wanting answered. How are some ways that you really felt God show up in those moments when you weren't getting what you wanted? I think that one of the biggest ways and why this, this prayer journal means so much to me is because the biggest thing he gave me to hold on to was how he's been faithful in the past in my life. He didn't say much as we were going through all of this. Like, I didn't feel like he gave, you know, promises or like, I mean, we're not guaranteed, you know, motherhood isn't something that's guaranteed for us, you know, and, and biological motherhood, especially like no part of me was like, God, it was me this. I knew he didn't. And he didn't give me any answers. He didn't give me like a date on the calendar. I had no idea if we would be going through this for two more months or two more decades. You know, I mean, I just had no idea. And, but the thing that I think really, and I mean, I was all over the place. There were some days where I was so like frustrated and sad and heavy about this that like, I'd either be running away from my feelings, trying to like, you know, think about anything else, or I was trying to control everything in my life because I couldn't control this, or I was just, you know, a teary mess. Um, So, I mean, I was all over the place and there were definitely times where I was like, God, have you forgotten me? (laughs) Like, don't you care at all? But the thing like deep, deep down in my soul, I knew that God was going to do something here. Like I knew he had a purpose, I knew he had a plan, and I knew it was going to be better than anything I could have planned on my own just because that, that's the way he's always operated in my life. Were you willing for that plan to not include children? Um, I don't, I don't know. No. I mean, yes, because— you know, if like I don't, I don't get to really get to choose at that point. Right, but, right. But I mean, I understand that when we have this desire in our heart, no matter what it is, yeah, like how hard it is to sometimes go. The, here's what I desire, and I'm willing to not have it if that's what you say is best. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. Whether that be a cure for cancer, a husband, yeah. a baby, a yeah. university acceptance, yeah. a job, whatever, fill in the blank. That's yeah. a difficult place to be. Oh, absolutely. I mean. I think like, yes, it would have taken a lot of crying and a lot of wrestling and it would have been, you know, I would have been super disappointed, but yeah, I think the tricky part is that like, I say that God didn't promise us anything and he, I mean, he really didn't in it all. Like I felt like we were going to get pregnant at some Mm -hmm. point. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't think that this was never going to happen for us. I just didn't know when. So that's why that's like a little tricky and I mean, but we also never know, like, we never yeah. know if we're like, I, you know, I think I'm meant to be a mom biologically at some point in the next, you know, 10 years, mm-hmm. but also that might not be his plan. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing's just hard, but I, it's I do- so hard. It's so hard. I mean, it's like, I think like when people who are struggling with the disease and they're saying, I'm going to believe with the faith that God can and will heal me. Yeah. Like, 
Sometimes he doesn't, but I don't think that diminishes that faith of going, God, I, I, I believe that you can, and I'm going to ask you to, and I'm actually going to believe that you will. And to me, if he doesn't, that doesn't change anything about God. It was right. like this growing of our faith that we were able to put out there. That's that's hard for me because my tendency would be like, well, if I don't know if he's going to, I'm not going to ask because I don't want to be let down. Yes. That's where I fall. And like, well, I might as not ask because what if he says no, and then I just don't have to deal with that. That's something I talk about in the book of like, there was a long season where, you know, I'm a huge prayer journaler. I have been my whole life. Um, well, I think for a long time, I was just a journaler because I didn't know God at all. And so I, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't praying to him. But I mean, ever since I, I met him, I've been a huge prayer journaler. So that's why I love this book so much. But there have been times where like, I'm so in the thick of it of, you know, whatever, like whatever light is going on in life right now. I'm just, I'm having such a hard time that I can't really put what I'm going through into words. Like I just can't pray the same way I always have. And so I talk about this in the book that for a while I would write down my prayer requests just in a list and every day I would read through them. And it was so helpful to not have to like do deep work for a minute because it felt like my whole life was this like wrestling and deep work, but to gather up the things that I knew I needed help with that I knew that only God could help me with and to just like hand them over like systematically Mm -hmm. every single day. And as I'm talking about that, I say like, I know that it's really scary to pray specific prayers. And I think a lot of us are like, we should just pray like your will be done, right? Like, And part of it's because we don't want to ask for the wrong thing. Like what if we ask the wrong thing, God gives us the wrong thing, and then we're like stuck with the wrong thing. Or what if we ask God for something that he can't give us or doesn't want to give us or something? And we're like setting either ourselves up for failure or we're setting up God, or we're setting ourselves up for disappointment, disappointment or God up for failure. And we don't want to do either of those things. And like, I feel like along the way I got to sort of see that one, God is so much smarter than us and bigger than us that he's not going to give us something that's not good for us. So we could pray for like the craziest thing in the world. And he's going to be like, I love you. No, like no matter how many times a kid asks to touch a hot stove, a parent is never, ever going to be moved by that request. Right. But then also like, I think that it, it for God can do everything. He doesn't do, or he can't do anything. He doesn't do everything. But I think that asking really does something cool for our faith. Because if it's a huge thing, it reminds us that God is big enough to take care of that thing. And even if he doesn't, he can, he's that big. Or, but if it's like a small thing, it just reminds us that he cares about us enough to be in the small things with us. I think that it is, such like you said, it's a growing of our faith. It's us going, I'm going to trust you as my father, knowing that you can and will if it's what you want. You know, I think sometimes I was just thinking just the other day, one of my kids asked me for something and I said no. And it was like a good fun thing. I'm, I'm going to make it up because I don't remember what it was, but it probably was like some kind of dessert. Right. And I said no, because I knew what we were doing later that night. I knew we were having a birthday party for somebody and I knew there was going to be dessert there. You know, like I knew that, but they didn't know that. And it felt to them so like, why would you not let me have something that I want so much and that is so good? But as the mom, I knew what was happening seven hours later, but they didn't know that. And I just remember thinking like, man, I feel like that somehow with God is like, we feel like we get a no. And I don't understand why you would do that. And it's not always that there's like something like there's something at the end of the rainbow. Like that's not always true, you guys. It's not like there's always something better. It's just that God always knows what he's doing and what's ahead. And learning to trust him can be super hard, especially with big things like this. So I want to talk about your babies. Yeah, You have twins. Tell us a story of how you got two babies in your belly. 
So went through all those tests. They have no idea what's happening with us. We did those different rounds of IUI and, and we, you know, started to get progressively more like invasive, more, you know, progressively had more medical help. And then finally it was like, okay, the last sort of stop on this train is, is IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. And we expected IVF to go really well because I'd done really well on IUI. Like I hadn't gotten pregnant, but I'd like made lots of eggs. And like, I just felt like, you know, Carl's really healthy. I'm really healthy. Like we're going to knock it out of the park. And we're both kind of achievers. So I'm like, we haven't achieved so far, but with all this help, like we are going to seriously hit a home run here, which is maybe weird, but I don't know. That's what I thought. <laughs> and so we, we got into the process and they have you come in for a bunch of ultrasounds along the way to see how the medicines are working. Cause they're trying to make you make as many eggs as possible in like two weeks. And initially it was like, okay, we're doing okay. And then as I kept coming in, they're like, yeah, you're not actually making as many eggs as we were hoping for. And the thing that we learned is like, you get a certain number of eggs, but those little eggs have to go through so many hoops in order to actually like become, in order for you to get pregnant. So they have to like grow big enough and then they have to survive getting taken out. Then they have to fertilize and then stay fertilized and keep growing. And then like, they have to be healthy. Like they're just all these things. And so you're just losing numbers little by little. And so we really were hoping for like a really good number of eggs so that hopefully by the end we'd have enough for our family. You know, we don't want a million kids, but like maybe we want two, (laughs) like maybe three. We were just hoping we wouldn't have to do this process again. And so we're going through this and they're starting to tell us that they're not seeing what they were hoping to see necessarily. And things just weren't progressing like they hoped. And so they gave us the opportunity to kind of jump ship and try again if we wanted to. And I don't even know how we made the decision to keep going, but we did. And I think they ended up taking out like seven eggs and five of them fertilized and three of them managed to like make it long enough. And then only one of them was healthy. And so out of this whole process, all that money, all that time, all that everything, we ended up with one healthy embryo, which is great, except for like, I mean, what if something happened? You know, it's like, that's... There's no backup plan there. There's no security of any kind. Like we just had this one little guy and like all of our hopes were just resting on its poor little shoulders. How many would some people typically have? Three, five, something like that. Yeah. And I mean, we we were really grateful because our nurse called us and told us and she was like, I'm really glad to be able to tell you guys this. The next person I have to call doesn't have any. And like, so we knew that that was, we knew to be really grateful. We also knew that like, Everything from that point on had to go perfectly in order for this to work. Otherwise, we were back at the very beginning and nothing had gotten perfectly at that point. So we didn't have a whole lot of hope for that. So we, you know, went through, there's kind of two parts of IVF. The second part is getting your body all like comfy and squishy and fertile and ready to be a great little home. And so, you know, we were doing all these shots and things and they did the transfer and then we had to wait like 11 days, I think the longest 11 days of my life. And the whole time during those 11 days, I'm like, I'm pregnant. I'm positive. And then I'm like, I'm not pregnant. I'm positive. And like, I'm so glad that nothing about my fertility is connected to what my brain thinks is happening because I am all over the place. But so we get a call or we go in for a blood test and then have to wait like four agonizing hours to wait, to find out what the results are. And our nurse calls us and tells us that we're pregnant. And we were so excited. 
And the thing that she told us though, as she told us was they're looking for levels of, I think it's HCG or HSG, something. And they're looking for like levels of that in your blood. And that's, you know, they said, we'll know you're pregnant if it's over like 10 or 20 or something like that. And they were like, yours is in the, like the thousands or something like that. I'm trying to remember what the numbers were now, but it was really high. And she goes, every once in a while, this really high number can be a sign of multiples. We're like, what? (laughs) And, but not necessarily. So we're like, okay, so we have to go in for another blood test to make sure everything's like rising and going well. And it was, so we knew we were, we were like really pretty pregnant. We knew that there was a possibility of multiples, I guess, but we didn't, I don't know, it wasn't for sure in any way. And so we go in for our six-week appointment. And when we first started talking about IVF, I actually was really kind of hoping for multiples. And I had actually prayed for twins, like on a couple occasions, because I thought that, you know, everyone talks about IVF and everyone says like, oh, you get twins from IVF. And when it actually came down to it, we talked to our doctors about that. And they said, you know, we, the reason that twins happen a lot with IVF is because they put in multiple embryos. And, and we didn't know we only had one at that point, but they were like, we won't do that because our goal is for you to have one healthy baby. And like twins are more complicated. Like it just, it's a harder pregnancy. It's more complicated. So we don't do that anymore. We just put in one embryo. So, and I asked like enough times for Carl to finally be like, can you stop asking? You heard their answer. <laughs> so I thought that twins, like that was just not a non-starter. Plus we only had one embryo. So we go in for a six week appointment and we're doing the ultrasound and the doctor's like, okay, like everything looks great. Do you see this little sack? There's the baby. Do you see the heartbeat? Like everything looks good. That's what we're hoping for. And he's like about done. And I guess Carl says later, he's like, in my heart, I thought, where's the other one? And like, he had no idea. We didn't know to actually really ask that or hope for that. And the doctor's like almost done with the ultrasound. And then he keeps kind of moving around for a little another second. And then he goes, um, okay, so do you see this? That's the little sack and that's the heartbeat. And then he moves it back and he goes, now do you see this? That's a, a little sack and that's a heartbeat. And he goes back and forth a couple of times to make sure he's like seeing what he thinks he's seeing. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you guys are having twins. And so it's crazy because, you know, people say, you know, oh, do they run in your family? And my grandmother was actually an identical twin, but we found out identicals never run in families. It's never, it is never genetic. You can't do anything to cause it. It's not connected to IVF. Twins run in families because you have like multiple eggs. It's like fraternal twins run in families, but identical is always like, it's only something that God can do. And it just blows my mind that God took our one little embryo, just our one little guy and split it in half, something only he could do. And so now we're having two. Oh my gosh. And their names are? Oh, Jamie, you almost got me. Oh my gosh, if you would have said it, I would be like, this is the best thing that's ever happened on this show before. (laughs) You actually, like, I was like, "Uh, mm -hmm." If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. 
If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I love that story so much just to see like all that you have been through and now you have your two little girls coming around Thanksgiving and you're going to be a mom. I asked you earlier about what you were feeling on the other side, like on the first before um, you knew you were pregnant and you were walking through this journey with Carl and trying to have a baby. And now here you are, you know, what, 12 weeks out? Is that right? I just did the math. I don't know. Like Like maybe like 14 or something. but 14 weeks out. I mean, here- Yeah. Yeah, Here you are 14 weeks out from becoming a mom to your girls. What do you feel like now on this side, knowing the journey that you went through, knowing the prayers that you prayed, knowing what you had to go through and trusting God to get here? What do you feel like on this side? I'm not mad at myself for the messiness of the journey. Like, I really, there were times when I had, and this happens every time I'm in a sort of between place. Like, I have to sit down with God and go, okay, who are you again? And like, what do you say about yourself? And what do you say about me? And like, I feel like I have to start over every time I go through something hard of just being in his word and being like, where does it act? Okay, what do you promise again? I just can't, I need you to to walk me through the whole thing again if I'm gonna trust you with this thing again. And so, and you know, I ask big questions, I ask hard questions. And 
And I'm not sorry about that because every time I've done that, I feel like it's brought us closer and it's built my faith up more and more and more. And so there's not like messiness in it where I'm like, you shouldn't have even wondered if he cared. Like you should have known. Cause I, th- I just think there's some beauty in like going back to the drawing board and asking those questions yeah. again. But I'm really glad that I was able to remember the times that he'd been faithful in the past because really those carry like that remember that memory of God's mm-hmm. love for me and presence in my life was the thing that got me through that season. And so I think I would just like on this side of it, I'm grateful for the process. Mostly like I can't see the I, I mean, I can see some things. I can see the fact that like wouldn't have these two little girls if we hadn't gone through all of that. But I think more the fruit that I see right now is the fact that a couple of my best friends are about to go through IVF. And at the time, I didn't know anyone else who had gone through it. Like, I mean, I was the first out of my friend group. And now two of my best friends are going through it. And I just, I feel like when we go through something hard, that experience transforms us into the person that is uniquely qualified to help someone else through that exact thing. Like if you've lost a parent early or just ever, like you are the person that someone who is in the process of losing a parent needs. And, you know, we've lost a handful of jobs in our life and we're always the first people call when they're losing a job. And I'm so, I'm honored to get to be the friend in that between place with them. And so I think that that's the biggest thing I'm grateful for right now, other than my girls, but I'm grateful for the hard parts of the process because if we hadn't gone through them, then we wouldn't be able to help anyone else who's going through them. And like, someone's going to have to go through them. And I just am really glad that the people I love so much don't have to go through it alone. I love that. And that is true for no matter what it is, the situation that you're looking at in your life. Um, I mean, I remember when I, before I married my husband, I was engaged and called off an engagement. And I feel like I always, when people just say that, it just slides into a conversation or they mention it or we see someone that's walking through something like that. I have this unique understanding of what that feels like because I remember being that 21-year-old girl not knowing what to do and then making one of the hardest decisions ever and thanking God for that decision. But not everyone has that experience and that understanding of what that feels like. Um, I also, when you're talking about like remembering God's faithfulness, um, it makes me think of Abraham when he went to sacrifice his son. And, you know, God had promised him that he was going to be the father of many nations. And then here he was, God was asking him to put his only son on the altar and sacrifice him, his only son. And I know like if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're hearing this and you're like, Christians are weird if that's what God's asking them, like go read it. There's more in Genesis, dive into it for yourself. But I always think that Abraham knew somehow that God was going to be faithful because he is a faithful God. And I think that is a lesson that I've learned a lot in the last couple of years. It's just when it doesn't feel that I understand how I can trust the character of God more than I can trust my circumstances. And that's what you're talking about here. You know, you're pregnant with twins. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. And and you said something recently that I heard you. Yeah. You said the more I can make of the present, the better prepared I am for the future. What do you mean by that? So for the longest time in my, you know, we, we've talked about the things we've been through before were uniquely qualified to be the guide for other people through those things. And so for the longest time for me, that's been like singleness and dating. And I think that for Christians, it is just harder. Like, I mean, 
being single and navigating the dating world is hard, period, but it is uniquely hard in the church because there are different rules and different pieces of advice, and some of them are helpful, and some of them are garbage. <laughs> like, there's just, it's just, a, and there's so much pressure put on marriage, and so it's like, if you're not there yet, that means so many more things, or quote-unquote means so many more things than it should, mm-hmm. and so for the longest time, I've, that's what we've talked about a lot in my community here online is what it looks like to go through that season well. And when I was in the midst of it, I had this like total life-changing moment with God while I was brushing my teeth one morning. Like, I just feel like all the good moments happen like in the shower or while you're brushing your teeth. And I felt like God asked me, Steph, if I told you that you would get married to the right person at the right time and that I totally had this covered, how would you live your life today? And like, that question totally changed everything for me mm-hmm. because I had been waiting. I hadn't meant to necessarily, but I'd kind of been waiting, living in a holding pattern. I'd been waiting instead of like really living my life, thinking that if I went here, if I did this differently or something, I'd miss him. But if I knew that God really had this covered, I would just live really fully. I would just like do it up. And if I knew that this person was coming eventually, I knew that there were some pieces of my house that I wanted to get in order before I got there. Like there were some things I needed to talk about in counseling. There were some things I needed some healing from. Like there were just some things I needed to do before that time came. And so I felt like believing that God really had it covered, I was able to use that time really well and enjoy it really fully. And therefore, like all of those things are the reason that I was in the right place at the right time to meet Carl. They're the reason that he asked me on a date in the first place. And they've set us up so much better for marriage than I was so much better prepared for marriage than I would have been if I had just been like kind of sitting around waiting. Mm. And I had this moment with God. Carl and I went to Italy a couple years ago and we'd been trying for about a year at that point. And it was the first time that my period was like actually late. And it wasn't like late, late. It was just like a little late. But that was enough for me to like, I like wrote the whole story in my head. We're in Italy. It's beautiful. We find out we're pregnant. Finally, like this is amazing, God. And it was like the second I finally got my hopes up, then of course it started. I was crushed. And I, you know, decided to go outside and just take a little walk for a minute. And the second I got outside, I felt God asked me that very same question. Like, if I told you that you would have a baby at the right time, if you knew that I have this covered, how would you live your life today? And it just brought all of those lessons back, all the things that I'd been sharing with women for so long, but just in a whole different way that like this season before we have kids was really special. Like, it's just Carl and I, we get to really focus on our marriage and our friends and our families. And we get to, we were in Italy, we get to travel. We get to do work we really care about and like stay up way too late doing it. And like, we're not neglecting any children by doing that. And we just, I was able to see in a new light that like this season was really special and I wanted to use it really well. And and also there were some things I wanted to get in order in my house before kids showed up again, like some new things I wanted to talk about in counseling and like some different things I had to go through. And it just reminded me that like, really, when we can be present in the present, that's where God is. And that's where all the lessons he has for us are. And that's where his goodness is. And he has so many gifts for us today that we won't have in the same way in the next season. Like I knew that by really embracing those things as a single person, my marriage is so much better because of it. And I'm not quite there yet, but like, I know that because of the way that we lived our married without kids season, I'm going to be a better mom for it. Mm. 
I think that's an important word right now because a lot of life right now can feel like we're all in that kind of holding pattern. The world is feels a different place right now. And I think a lot of people, whether that be with their job, with their education, with their marital status, with their parenting, whatever it feels like, there's that moment when you think, I am between something. I'm between something and I don't know what to do with it here. And so I'm grateful for your prayer journal that you have created. Um, we'll put a link to it. Not only is it beautiful, I know it's going to be super helpful to so many people. And just the conversation today about the faithfulness of God and relying on his character and trusting that those moments, those between places are not forgotten or wasted or useless. And so, Stephanie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you for having me. And I want to thank you specifically for the happy hour. I started listening probably like right after Carl and I got married. And I mean, I've learned so much from you and from your, your guests and Really specifically, I was thinking about this today. I remember learning that the journey to motherhood is hard on your show. I got to hear from so many women who had gone through so many different things on their journey to become moms. And I think that I have been freed of so much shame and stigma and loneliness in this because for years, even before I even started going through this, I've known that like that a lot of people are here and and that that I I'm not alone in it. And so the work you're doing is really important and I'm really grateful. Thank you, it. thank you, thank you. Stories change the world, you guys. What are you loving? What are you reading? Okay. I wrote them down because I don't want to forget. What I'm loving, uh time with my husband. Uh, because we're trapped in the house together because of this pandemic and everything, I just gotten so much extra time together. And it seems like every day there's something that happens. He says, I say, something happens where both of us cannot stop laughing. And it really is about once a day. And like my stomach hurts and I feel like my girls are getting like jostled around. And But it just is like such a sweet thing right now and, and a little silver lining to this really crazy season. So time with my husband. Um, I'm loving random discovery channel shows. They're like mm. the kind of shows you only watch in hotel rooms for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But we've totally brought them home. And so my latest is Homestead Rescue. Just these people who've decided to live off the grid, which seems crazy to me. And it seems really hard. And this family comes and helps them. I don't know why I love it, but I do. Have you read the book, The Great Alone? No. Oh, Anna Kristen, Kristen, I can never can remember her name. It's one of the best books I've ever read. It's a fiction <gasps> book, but it's about homestead in Alaska. So okay, okay. you might actually like it. Yeah. All right. I'm checking it out, but I promise I will never be a homesteader because that is yeah, too hard. Either. Yeah. Um, then the last thing I'm loving is bubble tea. Are you a bubble mm, tea person? I'm not. And I, I don't have any reason why I'm not. I'm just not. It's just, I mean, some people are, some people aren't. It's just a, a great love of mine. So bubble yeah, tea. Yeah. Um, and then reading, uh, I'm reading a book called Twins, Triplets, and Quads, How to Have Healthy Pregnancy. Which you should read that, <laughs> yes, yes. I should. Uh, really, really helpful. Um, I'm reading Becoming by M- Michelle Obama and absolutely loving it. I feel like I have like, a, like if someone tells me that she's not my best friend, like I don't believe you. Like she <laughs> just know. feels like it's my a best good friend. Book, yes. Um, and then the last one is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And it's the story of how he started Nike. And it is so interesting. I've heard great things about it. It's really good. So those are my reads. I'm reading finally, like I've had this book since it released. I don't know why I'm just not reading it. Austin Channing's I'm Still Here. It is so good. And it is an easy read, isn't it? It's not that long, but it is so good. And I'm finally getting around to reading it. So that's what I'm reading these days. Oh, that's awesome. Stephanie, thank you. 
Seriously. Thank you. Congrats on your girls. You have to let us know when they're here and their names and all the things. And guys, I'll put everything in the show notes, especially this prayer journal, the between places, which came out in August. And I know that you guys are going to love it. So Stephanie, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I loved it so much when Stephanie shared that remembering God's faithfulness in the past has helped her get through the times of the unknown in the present. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. I hope that that encouraged you today as much as it encouraged me and that you'll take some time today to remember the faithfulness of God in your life in the past so they can help you get through the unknowns that you might be facing today. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. Music for the show was developed by Matt Graham. Abigail Castell wrote the show notes and Lindsay Sweeney organized this whole thing. Friends, don't forget, if you want more information on my newest book, UBU, that comes out October 1st, text UBU, all one word, no spaces, to 33777. Friends, enjoy your week. Share the show with a friend. Have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here next week with a new friend of mine, Sarah Jackson. <laughs>